Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for our Valentine's Day series on relationships. I'm Dr. Stephanie Singleton, along with Dr. Rosina Bakari, the amazing Dr. Rosina Bakari, our favorite psychologist and empowerment coach. Okay. Yes, indeed. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Bakari. Hi there. Good to see you, Dr. Singleton, as always. Yes, indeed. And so your topic today is how do you know when it's over and how do you end it? Yeah, that's not always as easy as it sounds. And so the one thing that I want to say before we really get started is please note, we are not talking about abusive relationships here. If you're in a domestic violence situation, Yeah, nothing we say in this podcast pertains to you. Do you want to add anything or any clarification to that, Dr. Bakari? Yeah, thank you for for setting that straight. It's important because, uh, as you say, some of the things may be somewhat relevant, but when you are in a domestic violence relationship, then the goal should be probably to, to get out, get help and get out. But the what we're really trying to get at in 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 uh, this episode is the fact that more than 50% of marriages end in divorce. Those are not domestic violence situations, most of them. And way more uncoupling occurs on a daily basis with people who have been together anywhere from one week to 10 years and never married or whatever. So uncoupling is constantly going on. It's a normal activity. So what we're talking about here today is addressing the normal activities of uncoupling. We're not trying to address how you get out of a domestic violence situation. So just want to clarify that because I don't want anyone believing that there's anything that we're suggesting at all about working it out or knowing or assessment. No. So that's important. So thank you for, for raising that issue. Yeah. Thank, thank you for really clarifying that. So having said all of that, here we go. How do you know? How do you know when this is done? There's no saving it. How do you know? How do you even measure that? Well, I'm glad you said measure because it's not like measuring a cup of sugar or or a cup of milk. But there are some certainly some things that we should consider uh, in terms of the viability of relationships, because there are many people who remain together have had to ask that question. Should they stay or should they go? So it's not like everybody who's still together for 20 or 30 or 50 years never asked if they should go or if they should stay. Right. And so even when people uh, decide to go, people often don't go the day after they make that decision. So there are some things that are happening that are uh, questions going around in our head for us to somehow figure out, should we stay or should we go? So I propose there are some ways that we can be somewhat objective of though the decision is never objective, but there are some ways that we can uh, uh, conceptualize whether it's time to go or whether uh, we can make something something continue to happen in, in this relationship. And I would uh, ask people to look at three areas of their relationship, physical, 
emotional, and financial. Those all impact uh, the viability of a, of a relationship. What is the physical viability of this relationship? What is the emotional viability of this relationship? What is the financial viability of this relationship? And maybe if you put them on three separate scales and say from one to a hundred, what does this relationship feel like or look like physically to me? Am I physically in the place where I want to be? And physical could mean a whole lot of things. It could be geographical. I'm never going to live the place I want to live or be or explore the world in the ways that I want to explore the world with this person to something um, more skeptical, like this person's mother is going to live with us forever, or this person has four step or four children. I'm going to be uh, a step parent to four children uh, at the time when mine are growing up and out of the door. So physical could mean a lot of different scenarios about how we get to operate in that relationship. So on a scale of one to a hundred, how content are you with the physical viability of that relationship? None. I hate it. I can't stand where we live, who we live with, how long are we going to live, et cetera, et cetera, too. Oh, things are actually pretty good between us. We have a lot of mobility in this relationship. We do what we want. We spend time together. We have no issues uh, with the physical presence of this relationship. So that's one, one area. Uh, let me just ask you a question, Ruka. Are we also within that um, also considering uh, the intimacy, physical intimacy? Absolutely. Anything okay. that that regards us to that can change that has impact on our physical presence in that relationship. Absolutely include uh, how we physically or intimately show up in that relationship, because that also shifts over time. Right. The way you showed up uh, in the beginning may look very different five years from now, 10 years from now. 20 years from now. So that all that definitely can also play a part. I just didn't want people to think that physical, the only way you could you should assess is uh physical intimacy. So that is one way, but there are also a lot of other ways how physical presence can influence a relationship. But yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay. Uh the second, the second uh consideration was emotional. So what is the emotional viability of this relationship? Are you feeling uh, discontent emotionally or pretty content emotionally where this, this person or uh, feels very distant from you, uh, not supportive, is high conflict, you're never getting along, uh, they spend all their attention and focus on something outside of the home or outside of the relationship that makes you feel insignificant. What is the emotional viability of, 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 of this? And so this one gets a little tricky though, because people have uh, have varying needs of emotional support. And so be, as we are as we are taking an assessment of the emotional content we of the relationship, we have to do some double checking on what our needs are and what this person is bringing. And that's when we really have to get into, 
Uh, is it unfamiliar, uncomfortable, or unsafe? And I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but know that that's sort of an open-ended thing, open-ended piece. And then the third thing was financially. What is the financial viability of this relationship? Is it that uh, one person is working and two people need to work? Is it that two people need to are working and one person needs to stay home with the child? Is it that uh, we can never um, uh, get what we want financially if, uh, in this relationship? I'm never going to have the financial stability that I'm looking for or that I want my children to have. What is the, how content are you financially in this relationship? So those are the three areas. And then, so you can think, maybe you're high in one area and low in another area. But I tell you what, if you're low in all three areas, that's going to be a tough spot that you're in. So that's one way to just take an assessment. It's not the only way. It's not a surefire way, but it's a way to get out of your head and start to look at the the, the discomfort in a, in a relationship that's even making you consider staying or going. In addition to all that, you then, of course, what could trump all of these issues is your independence or dependence in the relationship. Are you independent enough to even ask the question in a serious way to be able to leave this relationship? Are you financially independent enough to go? Are you emotionally independent enough to go? Are you physically able to leave that relationship? So if you, if all those things could be low, 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 but you could be so dependent on this person financially, physically, emotionally, that you just can't leave. And so now you're in a victim state of mind or victim state of being, then that be, then that um, that has to be uh, weighted along with how content you are in each of those areas. But it's just one way that, that we can look. Oh, that was a lot. That was a lot, everybody. I hope everybody was really taking notes. You said that you were going to come back to, what is it, Uncom being uncomfortable? What's the level of uncomfortable? What's the, right. So can you kind of go into that? Because we also have to use that with our assessment of the physical, the emotional, right, and the safety. Right. So I, I like to talk about our our needs or desires or wants or discomfort uh, to get us beyond the language of just how I feel, how I feel, right? We have to we have to build up our language of emotional wellness with something more than just a feeling of like and dislike, angry or sad or happy. And so I like to talk about it in ways of being uncomfortable, unfamiliar, or unsafe. And as we grow or develop into emotional wellness, we learn to distinguish between what is uncomfortable, what is unfamiliar, and what is unsafe. And try not to have the same reaction to all three of those because they're different levels. And so we especially need to understand that when, when we are assessing emotionally what's going on in this relationship is what's going on just unfamiliar 
Maybe someone is spending more time outside of the house because a job just changed. So it's just unfamiliar. We use, or now that we've been married five years, then things change. They have more friends. This is unfamiliar. It's not necessarily uncomfortable. It's just unfamiliar. But if we are in the state of mind where anything that is unfamiliar is also uncomfortable, then that's going to feel like a bigger problem. So being able to truly assess, is this really uncomfortable or is, is it just unfamiliar? When a, when a person comes home and wants to be physically intimate with their partner and their partner rejects them, maybe that's unfamiliar because that's a rare thing that happens, but this time their partner rejects them. So that's unfamiliar. But someone who's not used to distinguishing between the three is now uncomfortable. They maybe they throw a tantrum. You don't care about me. What? Are, it wasn't really uncomfortable. It shouldn't have been uncomfortable. It was just unfamiliar and certainly is not unsafe. Oh, you don't love me anymore. So we just great jam everything in there, right? For every response, every response gets a reaction about uh, uh, as if it's all three of those things. And so when we're doing any kind of assessing, we have to understand the difference that there are differences between things that come into our relationships that are uncomfortable, unfamiliar, and unsafe, and be able to apply this distinction in order to even have any sense of real personal responsibility for what we are bringing into the relationship. Wow, thank you for that. So we're combined, we're combining that with the physical, right? Okay, so that right. we really have a much more complete picture. Right, um, complex okay. and complete. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when emotionals come in, we simplify things based on what we feel and, and believe that because we feel it, it's right. Right. And I'm saying relationships are complex as people. And so when we have other ways to bring something into the conversation other than feeling, then it can help us do a, a more, a slightly more objective assessment of what's going on, especially when we enter conversations with the significant other. This sounds so much like a much more healthy and really loving solid way to really honor a relationship that's been even if it's you know even if it's went south but to really honor what it was before then because you know a lot of relationships they just they just go it wasn't like they were awful to begin with sometimes they were really great and they may not be awful now they're just not working so i just i like i really like the assessment that you have given people here now, having said that, it's still not easy, right? It's just still not easy to just say, hey, like, I can't do this anymore, you know, whatever it is for, you know, for a lot of reasons, right? Like, I, if I go through reasons that I've heard and some that I've, you know, had for myself, um, it's like nostalgia about what it was, you know, what the relationship <laughs> was 
or, you know, in his good times, or, you know, like I've heard a lot of people, I've been guilty of this too, right? So I'm, I'm not just going to put it on my friends, right? But I've heard, you know, when it's good, it's good, you know? But when, you know, hey, I know you laughing because how many times have you probably heard this, right? You know, when it's good, it's good, but my goodness, when it's bad, it's really bad, right? But and, and people stay, you know, it could be like 50, 11 bad days. It's like, but come 50, 12, 50, 12 won't be that good day. So I'm going to stay around for that good day. But um, the other part of that is too, is sometimes. Can I, can I stop you there before you yeah, get too sure, far? I want to make a comment because uh, I call that the butt of a relationship. So that's when you're in the butt of a relationship. And when you're in the butt of a relationship, it's a good time to start really thinking about and making those assessments. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't really, it's not really working, but we, I shouldn't leave, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not that good, but I call that the butt of a relationship. When you're in the, when you're staying for the butts, then it's a time to really uh, figure out and that doesn't mean you leave. It may mean that you get counseling. It may mean that you dive deeper into your self-work. So you're working um, beyond butts, you know, or something else. So I just wanted to make that comment. That sounds like the butt of the relationship. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that. Because, and, you know, I'm, I, well, I'll get back to it. I have another thought. I'll get back to it. I'm going to finish this <laughs> other thought that I was on. Um, but yeah, it really does. It's still hard. And I remember one time being in a relationship and it was done. I mean, it was done. And I knew we both knew it was done. It wasn't like, you know, one side, it was like, we kind of both knew it was done, but even though it wasn't working, it was familiar. I knew what he liked. I knew what his time schedules were. He knew what I, you know what I'm saying? But we were really just going through the motions. But the thing was, because every, when you, every time you break up, it's not that you hate the person, right? It's like, oh, I can't say. It's not that you hate the person. There's still loved it but it's like we, we this is going nowhere like and it's not gonna go anywhere but it was like neither one of us wanted to be the bad guy right and be like okay yeah I can't do this anymore so it's hard how do you do it how do, how, how, how do you how do you get that over with without it being this this catastrophe and chaotic and all the bitterness and anger. I mean, it might be something. I'm not going to try to say that sometimes people don't have um, valid reasons to be angry or, or whatever. But I mean, how do, how do you do this? Well, uh, <laughs> the easy answer is that is the Nike answer, right? Like you just do it, right? <laughs> Love hurts. And if you're, if you... Uh, love more than once, then there's a good chance you were uh, on the side of being hurt or or hurting. And just because you're the one that walk away doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt either. So this expectation of being the bad guy, uh, sometimes that, or not wanting to be the bad guy, sometimes that's why people uh, stay in relationships, overextend their state in relationships. And sometimes that's why relationships don't work when you're in them because no one wants to be the bad guy. And so neither party is really communicating about their needs. 
sometimes that's the beginning of the breakup, not the end of, not the breakup itself. So learning to communicate uh, along the way is super important. So when breakups come, they there are some, some breakups that come out of nowhere, that happens. But when you're checking in with one another, uh, then it can it can avoid some of that. But if the first time someone uh, knows that you're on the verge of leaving is when you leave, then it's probably been a lack of communication. Like probably by the time most relationships end, they've had some sort of discussion about the likelihood of this not lasting. And you can ask, uh, uh, at any time in your relationship when it's struggling, it's okay to, to ask a person, what is your commitment to this relationship compared to six months ago, compared to six years ago? Are you still as committed to this relationship? You can ask that. You can ask that and see where people are. You shouldn't ask it every week, but all relationships go through difficult times just because people are married for 30, 40, 50 years don't mean they've never had to ask that question or consider the question. They just came up with the answer is still worth it. Yes, I'm still committed. But you have a right to have that conversation and ask someone what is their level of commitment. You also can disclose to someone when your level of commitment is dying out. You can let somebody know that. You know what? We've been really struggling lately. And I got to tell you, my, my level of commitment to this relationship is really being impacted by all the conflict we've been having. You can say that six months before you leave, right? At least you know what direction it's going. Bring, maintain some, some civility into the relationship as you go along. Right. And again, I'm talking about I'm 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 having this conversation with the idea that people are civil in their relationship. When you get relationships where someone has been abusive or uh, and not even necessarily in a domestic violence sense, but abusive of your trust, you know, just really ignoring you and not being a nice person. But the reality is that in many relationships, that's not why they end. They don't end because people turn into monsters. They end because people don't know how to get their needs met in those relationships. And that's a communication issue. Okay, thank you. So there's not really one particular right way to leave, um, except to try to be as civil as you possibly can, if it's if that's possible. Right. Um, you know, I used to hear the term from older adults when I wasn't one of them, <laughs> you know, about relationships. They would say, like, leave before every single drop of love is gone. Leave when there's some dignity in the relationship. Don't, don't like, but for some people, the only cue that they have to take care of themselves is when they are, a, is when they feel like a victim. So they stay until they feel like a victim, right? And then victims kick and scratch and, and scream and holler and bitter and angry. But for many people, that's the only way that they, feel validated 
to do anything for themselves, like leave a relationship, right? And so those are just habits we have to get out of. Like you get to just take care of yourself and know when something's not at all working for you and is not going to work for you, right? You get to make those decisions without having to be bitter and angry to make them. Okay, thank Oh, this is great. This is great. I just kind of want to go back to um, the assessment, okay? So what if what if someone does the assessment and there's nothing really challenging or the physical the physical part is 90% say and the financial part is 100% and um okay it was physical and the emotional part is you know 100% and the person is still like this is not working I need to get out here What's happening in, in that situation? <laughs> Here's the thing. And, and I know it sounds like, well, that doesn't make sense. But, but the reality is that that is often the case where, and, and the way that it may show up, uh, because people will say, well, if your emotional needs aren't met, your emotional needs are met, are not met. And it's like, well, what does that look like? You know, do they yell? Do they, do they ignore you? Do they not? kiss you goodnight? Do they not speak to you? And it's like, no, 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 no. They do those things. Yeah, they do those things. Yeah, they hug me. Yeah, they kiss me. Yeah, they don't know. They listen when I talk. Oh, and then it's something. So when you try to assess what emotional gaps are, there are things that sound more like the emotional attention is not what I want. Now, the thing about that is what you express that you want may literally be impossible for anyone to give. So that's the piece where it gets a little bit tricky when what you want and your emotional needs are so specific that you're going to be hard pressed for anyone to meet them. Um, and the way that someone is showing up for you emotionally would be valid to most people, right? At some point, it might be you. It might be you. If you are getting fed, well fed in your relationship and there's still some unease in you, it could be you. It could be something else that's being triggered at this time and point in your life that make you uneasy and, and extend some uh, unmet need for you. That's a good time to really seek help, seek counseling. If you are in a relationship with a human being that you love and respect and are attracted to, but somehow something feels wrong, I highly urge you to seek help. Just to okay. see. You can yeah, always leave later. You can always decide later that, nope, mm -mm, it was definitely them. But I would first say it could be you. But do the do that self-checking first. Do that like, self-checking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there were there are cases where, you know, you can listen to people, friends talk and be like, what? I don't really see that. You know, like, 
I don't really see where the problem is. You know what I'm saying? In a relationship, like, mm, I don't know, girl. But yeah, so I'm glad, you know. And guys, of course, guys are like, whoa. So oh, you want to you you leave because she gained five cool. pounds? Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad for this whole series this whole conversation dr bakari this has been amazing you're amazing as always do you have any last jewels of wisdom that you want to leave the people with i just always like to remind people that they deserve to be happy you deserve to be happy in life and in love and approach love sparingly know that there are all sorts of people waiting to love on you it does not have to come from a single source so be open to love be open to all that love can can bring into your life and know that you are worth it and that you are enough it's been so wonderful to uh to share this time with you dr singleton to discuss love during the yeah. uh, the notorious love month. Yes, indeed. And don't leave people hanging, Dr. McCarty. Please let them know how they can get in touch with you and connect with your other work and writings and how they can, you know, get that consultation, that free consultation. So, yes. Yes, go to rosinabakari.com, R-O-S-E-N-N-A-B-A-K-A-R-I. Dot com, uh, and there you can find the link for the free consultation. You can also find the link for a free download of the three-day reset book, by the way. And you can also find uh, my social media links for LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook. So follow me, connect with me, sign up for free emails, all the good stuff, because I am your favorite empowerment expert. And it's been wonderful being with you.